0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dave. I'm here with Emily. And today we are talking to Maddie Stratton. Maddie's a staff developer advocate at Pulimi. And we're going to talk today about DevOps. I can't think of between you and Emily two better people to talk about the history of DevOps, everything that's going on with DevOps, SIPAC, right? I was
1: going to say, you could have just ended it with, I couldn't think of two better people, period. Cause That's true.
2: <laughs> I love it. Yes, you're right. Thanks for We're having passionate. me on the
1: show. You're going to oh, kick me off now.
0: Oh, absolutely not. I am. This is going to be highlight <laughs> of my week. So let's talk just a little bit about your your journey, your journey to the cloud, your podcaster, your part of community builder. You go all around. Tell me about yourself.
2: But can I interrupt and uh, and say that um, when we first started talking, that you you said that Matt Maddie does thought stuff. And, uh, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. and then I, Come on, I'm trying to keep it together.
2: I know, but now I want, like, does that make us thought stuffers?
0: I like, love it. Do Ooh, I need a yeah.
2: teacher that say, I'm a, I'm a thought stuffer?
0: You know where that comes from? It comes from a lifetime of trying to explain what I do. So when I meet family or friends, I say, I do computer
1: stuff. Yeah. No, it's good because I avoided the terms thought leader so much that my my business cards when I was at PagerDuty said my title was thought validator because so much <laughs> of my job was just to listen to people and tell them that, yes, what you're doing is fine. So I was a thought validator. Uh, but I like <laughs> thought stuffer.
2: I love it. I like that <laughs> Take those
1: thoughts and... Okay. Well, thought, so what kind know. of
2: thought stuff do you do?
1: What kind of thought stuff do I do? Well, the short answer... So one of the fun things when you have... A, just, just sort of when you were saying like, hey, how do you explain to your family what you do? Um, As a single person, how do you explain on a first date what you do? And a lot of people are like, why would you talk about work? That's boring. But it's a reasonable question. Someone's like, hey, you sit down for drinks. You're like, hey, Joe, like, what do you do? And most people are able to have an answer like, I'm an accountant. I'm in sales. I sell flowers. And then what we try to do is explain the entire damn thing, which, by the way, nobody knows. So you're right. The answer is I do computer stuff. But my short answer is I say I worked in technology operations for a couple of decades, and now they pay me to talk about it. Uh, you know, again, like, like I said, my background is in tech ops. I worked for. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from Chicago, so I worked for a lot of insurance companies, a lot of banks. As you do when you work in IT uh, in in Chicago, and somewhere along the line, I got kind of interested in in DevOps and absorbed it through podcasts. And one of the things that happened is I realized early on I said there were no podcasts for people that were kind of new to DevOps. Now, fun fact: this was like circa. 2012. And by the way, everybody was new to DevOps. No, DevOps was like a, a, a two days old. Well, yeah. three years, but still. So I was listening to these shows like DevOps Cafe and The Ship Show, and I was forcing myself through them because I didn't have context, but I would let myself understand it. But I always said, why isn't there something for someone who's a beginner? And so I started right. a show with Trevor Hess called Arrested DevOps, and our intent was to be that. And I used to say this was for the people where your boss read about DevOps in the in-flight magazine and told you to in- uh, create it. I I have been on a lot of airplanes. I have read a lot of uh, United's in-flight magazines. I have yet to see an article about DevOps, but it That's could amazing.
2: Happen. We got to get Sky News or who's,
1: Sky, yeah, who? Sky, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, no. Sky, who's the I remember that. Well, I just blanked on the name of United's in-flight magazine.
2: I know, but I read it. That's the one I read. I, I
1: know it's at Horizon. No, well, no. we'll find out. Listeners, let us know. Sky, I remember Sky Mall. Well, there's Sky Mall. Too. You should be yeah. able to buy DevOps out of Sky Mall. Yes. Um, but <laughs> I'd like to, yes, I'd like to
0: purchase DevOps plan subscription yeah, plan. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, In- wait, when, is arrested?
0: Is Arrested DevOps like Arrested Development? Because that is what I the think. joke.
1: Yes, and I love it. One of my favorite things is we had uh, our our third co-host who joined us shortly after we started. Uh, Bridget Cramhout has never seen the show and understands nothing about it. And if you are a fan of the show, uh, well, either show, Arrested DevOps or Arrested Development, our bot in Slack was named Steve Holt and would respond to stuff. And after a while, Bridget said, "Like, who is Steve Holt and why is he in our Slack?" And I was like, "That's a bot. It's okay." So the uh but yeah and and we've been doing that show it's one of the longest running still around uh devops podcasts awesome. i will will tell folks and you know yeah uh, i'll
0: conclude the link
1: people can check yeah, it out yeah oh oh i was just going to say one of the fun facts um when you think about different ways that i've learned stuff over the years uh one of the dirty little secrets about tech podcasting is this is how you get someone to sit down and talk to you for an hour yeah that might not you know, it's hard. You can't go to a conference and be like, hey, Kelsey, sit down and let's just have. I mean, maybe he's a nice guy, but it's it's a big ask. But then you say, hey, Emily, come be on my podcast. You're like, sure, I'll do that. You know, I mean, if you maybe. can get through
2: the email, Maddie, right. if you can <laughs> actually get me to respond to an email, yes, I will call your podcast. There was a time,
1: <laughs> there was a time when I could say, Emily, be on my podcast and she would do it. But, uh, but yeah, then I've been, I've been kind of in the the vendor space for a while. I worked at Chef, I worked at PagerDuty, now I'm at Palumi. Um, I started DevOps days, Chicago, um, back in 2014, I'm one of the, uh, I'm the, 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 co-chair globally for DevOps days. So I help people all, you know, all the events around the world now that we're being able to start, uh, doing DevOps days again, which is super yeah. exciting. And yeah, sometimes people, you know, have me come up and give talks about, about nonsense and thought stuff.
0: Why don't we, so with DevOps, why don't we start with that? Kind of, the, you know, the history, the evolution of this whole space. Can you start with DevOps days? Because I feel like that was critical. And that was my first exposure mm-hmm. between Emily's book and DevOps, day, DevOps days was really, for me, how I started seeing people that were involved in that space.
1: There are a few, like, kind of inflection points that happen when I look at kind of the history of DevOps. And so 2009 was the big critical year. Every th- a lot of stuff happened in 2009. We had in 2009, uh, Dave Farley and Jess Humble wrote the book. Well, at least it was published. I think they wrote it before then because books take time. (laughs) Right, Emily? Um,
2: Oh, God. Don't get me started on that
1: Yeah. that
2: stuff. That stuff. That stuff.
1: All the (laughs) stuffing. Uh, So Continuous Delivery book was was written that was published then. Uh, Gary Gruber's team uh, published a book called Large Scale Agile Development, which wasn't about DevOps, but it might as well have been. And then also at Velocity... uh, uh, John Ospa and Paul Hammond gave a very seminal talk called 10 de- or 10 deploys a day dev plus ops cooperation at Flickr, which blew everybody's mind. So just put that way back machine in 2009, deploying 10 times a day was unheard of. Yeah. And at that velocity event, there was this, uh, this, this fellow named Andrew Clay Schaefer was sitting there watching the talk. So, and he tweeted about it with the hashtag DevOps, uh, as best our archeology span can tell, that was the coining of the phrase. Wow. And, uh, Later at the event, um, Andrew proposed a birds of a feather session, you know, kind of an open space thing for agile system administration. And one person showed up to that birds of a feather. It wasn't even Andrew. He didn't even show up to his own birds of a feather. It was which
2: is very Andrew, by which
1: the way. is yeah, very on brand. Yeah. Um, it was this uh, Belgian guy named Patrick Dubois. Later on, Patrick and Andrew connected and they decided to create, to put on a conference, to talk about these ideas and to have it in Ghent. And, they named it DevOps days. And the reason is because agile system administration was too long of a name for a conference. So anybody that wants to know why DevOps is called DevOps now, you know, Um, and that particular DevOps days that happened in 2009, I think there were about 60 or 70 people there. I love going back and looking at the talks that were given there because you could see those talks happen today. And fun fact in 2019, so that for the 10th anniversary of DevOps Days, we had one in Ghent and uh, we held an organizer summit. So, people who organized DevOps Days from all over the world came together in Belgium to talk about how to do this better. There were more people at that organizer summit than were at the first DevOps Days. That's how much it's expanded. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit why DevOps Days, the community, is where these ideas have come from. And over the years, we went from this first one in Belgium to in 2019, there were over 80 around the world. Um, we don't wow. talk about the number that are happening around the world the last couple of years because things <laughs> happened. But-
0: I feel like we haven't left March 2020. I'm still no, waiting for March 2020 It's
1: fine. It's fine. But I want to point out that one of the things that was, like I said, there sort of like, to me, like three really seminal times that happened in the evolution. But I mean, we had the 2009 when a whole bunch of stuff happened. The first DevOps days, they started to grow. And then about five years later, um, Patrick Dubois was like, I can't really run all of DevOps days around the world anymore. And Bridget Cromhout took over as the chair of the global core team. And Bridget really enabled other organizations, other places to do this. She stabilized on, here's how to run a DevOps days. Here's how to document it. And everybody says documentation is boring, but this is critical because it made it so that any city that was like, hey, I just want to do this. And that's why you see that hockey stick. And because of that hockey stick, you saw this these ideas being cross-pollinated all over the world and i do think another really seminal kind of thing in the evolution of devops was emily's book so when emily wrote her book and published it it was because there hasn't been volumes there's been a lot of stuff written about this stuff and and i do think that essential devops um the book that was the o'reilly book that uh, uh that jen and um Rin wrote um, was really important too. But that book and DevOps, for De- but the, the scope of how many people have read that book and how it's, and that it's been the book that I kind of think about it as a little bit of a trap because people think DevOps is a tool. So they're going to go read Emily's book and then yes. they're going to like find out all this other stuff that's organizational or cultural right. as well as the thing they were looking for. And I think we see a lot of that. It hasn't helped us it hasn't prevented our industry from thinking DevOps is just about tools, but it's made it a lot less of a thing, right? Like we, it, it, it could have been worse. So good job on helping it not be worse. I guess Thank that, you. that started out so complimentary, and then it kind of became a backhanded compliment, right? It was yeah, and and that kind of gets us to now where I think also I want to hear what Emily thinks about this in a second, but i I look at my own evolution of how I've thought about what DevOps means over. My years, I always feel like i'm new to DevOps, but every year i've been about, been part of it for a greater percentage of its life and um there were things that were really important to me before. I used to be the person that would be like, "Oh no, it's not a title it's not a team you know don't call yourself a devops engineer and i've come around on that for a couple of reasons one is uh, as Ian Coldwater pointed out before, when you kind of talk trash about someone having the title DevOps engineer. The problem is the people that have that title, they didn't give that title to themselves. So all we're doing is making them feel badly and excluded. Um, and also, uh, the title DevOps engineer is usually about a 30 to 40% bump in pay. So like go get paid.
2: Yes. Get you your know, problems.
1: so I'm into it. Um, I usually now think about if someone talks about being on a DevOps team, it just makes me ask questions rather than say it's wrong, which is sort of evolved around that a little bit. Um, do you like but, platform team? Well, I mean, if that's what you are,
2: I love this approach. <laughs> love the person.
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's I. I well, it, it. This is the problem with words, right? Is and and naming things. I I used to. I mean, I was making this joke in 2013. I said it's crazy. There's no more sysadmins in Chicago. They're all DevOps engineers. But the yeah. job description is change backup tapes on Windows 2003 servers. Yeah. You know, so I, I think platform teams and I think the model of a platform team is really powerful. And, and I think a lot of times when people, what they think a DevOps team, it, like a lot of times it is a platform team. But I also think there are teams, there are times people talk about building a platform and it's not a platform. It's just an evolution. Just like everybody became an SRE but aren't following SRE practices. You know, we, we keep rebranding our ops teams into new sure. things but not changing what they do and not changing how we're enabling and empowering them.
2: Why do you think why do we keep rebranding them? I mean, I have theories about. I feel like we we don't fully appreciate the operations skill set and I think instead of taking the time to really explain it and focus on it and showcase the importance of it and how those those particular skill sets accelerate a team even outside of any kind of devop devops framework. Um, we just don't take the time to do it. We don't value it to the same level as cer- certain, other roles. Um, and then instead of doing that, we just kind of call it something else. Like, okay, well, we'll understand this.
1: Well, I think it's unfortunately really simple is that it's, um, it's, it's all, it's just OPEX, right? Like ops is not, cons- has never been and still not considered, um, revenue generating, Right. It's it's the same reason about why do we devalue I've always said this too about like ops is like being a corporate lawyer. Nobody knows what you did until you mess up. Yes. Right. You know, if you're if you're corporate counsel for whatever company, you know, nobody knows all the times you prevented the company from getting sued, but you everyone's hyper aware of you when something gets through. Same thing. And so there's part of that, which is just hard to sort of like how do you quantify value when really the value is I prevented or like something didn't happen, right? Like that's sort of thing you're proving a negative. Um, and versus if you're creating something, right, you're, you're adding features, you're doing all this, you're, 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 you're proving a positive. We're saying I did a thing. And most of the time the it's, it's unsung work. Um, and it can get even really bad if you, especially if you, if we want to go all the way back and you read like the Stella report about um, postmortems and stuff, the the problem is you think about how often ops type work does something great but they have or they have to make a decision and they make the right decision but it appears to have been a decision that didn't need to be made because nothing actually happened you want to know like one of the classic example like here here's the best way to put it in in context if you're of of an age to to appreciate this uh, y2k how many people like like of a younger generation who didn't live through y2k and by live through i mean like work through it Look at it and be like, oh, everybody got all hyped up for nothing. I'm like, the reason it was nothing is because we got all hyped up.
2: Yes. You know but what? It- I, I, the, another um, sort of social thing that happened with that was when I was growing up, we heard a lot about acid rain and, and the ozone, the hole in the ozone layer. And so I had this, you know, in addition to my fears around um, large rodents in forests and, um, you know, quicksand, other things. <laughs> Um,
1: <laughs> What's the thing I, about when as a kid, I thought quicksand was going to be a much more <laughs> important part of my life. Yeah. Absolutely
2: Everywhere quicksand. Turns out, not everywhere. Not something I need to worry about. It's wild. But the reason that we don't have acid rain anymore is we fixed it. We realized some chemicals were ruining the environment, and, and we actually stopped using those chemicals. Uh, But then people will
1: look at that and say, like, oh, but look at all the money we invested in preventing acid rain. And it turns out we didn't need to because it was fine. Exactly. Like, literally, that's how people think. And people think the same thing. So this will happen in an incident or something happens. It's still
0: there. I Yeah. My new house, I don't have. I had to give up my pool. But our old house, I had a pool. And we are in the Philadelphia suburbs. And every time it would rain, the pH level of my pool, it was insane, the impacts. And it was because acid rain outside Philadelphia area. Yeah. So, I was literally living with this of how the pH level of the rain that was actually uh, occurring. And I have to agree about quicksand. Growing up in the Jersey Shore, I was out hiking in Skyview Park and I wanted to go out by the bay. And I went in this area and it's like this swampy area that will take you down to your neck. Like you don't see it. And I was literally up to here and my brother had to grab me and pull me out. It's like you uh, actually
1: had a quicksand experience though. Like, that's. Oh, geez. Well, I don't think it's called quicksand. It's called
0: like swamp something like but it. But to me, it was quicksand as a kid. And I don't know if you ever saw um, The Princess Bride, one of the greatest yeah. movies ever. Yes. When he's in that swamp of no hope. Oh, yeah. That's what happened to me as a kid.
1: Well, that actually seems like the worst scene possible for Emily because you've got rodents. And I'm quicksand. just adding to her. To her you know, it's just like, how do you yes. even get through that? Yeah. Yeah. Fire. and. Uh,
0: and there was no one around. There was no markings. And ever since that day, I mean, even at my age, whenever I see just wilderness near water, I'm like, "You got to be careful because that may not be solid ground." So anyway, well, so I have a legit cover.
1: reason. Like we just have it because of like like Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mean, I gotta quick tell you. Everywhere. You know
2: what else? At Vats of acid. Like I thought, there would just be vats well, of acid laying Well, of course, everywhere.
1: look at look at the seminal films of our childhood. You I know that mm-hmm. 1989 Batman. You're going to fall um, in a vat of acid and become yeah. the Joker, or you know, Judge Doom is going to dip you in something and and you know, Roger I mean, like
2: Rabbit. Remember who? Yeah, who that's right, I mean. I mean, Wasn't, wasn't it Judge
1: Doom? Wasn't yeah. wasn't wasn't that uh, Christopher oh, was Lloyd's character?
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I just yeah, that, that was that Christopher show. Lloyd
0: was the bad guy in that. Uh, yeah. Roger Rabbit. Yeah. You're right.
2: You're right. Yeah, so '80s kids are scarred for life, and yeah. um,
1: <laughs> so so this is why. So so yeah, quicksand and acid rain is fundamentally why uh, ops is devalued. Um, but it is, and I, I think about this though when you talk about it being a skill. So there's two things I, I always go back to. I remember yeah. talking to John Allspa um, when he was at Etsy and years ago, and like they were doing DevOps. They never called it DevOps, and that's fine, but. He said people would, but they were, they were really known, you know, there was a time when Etsy was really known for having their, their, their act together around automation and mon. you know, you say Etsy is a monitoring company that also sells T right? And so he said, people would come to him and say, John, why do you have an ops team? You've got all this great automation. He says, no, we need them, ev- a web ops team even more than ever, yeah. but because they can focus on all this other stuff, yeah. right? They can look at optimization and stuff. And charity majors talks about this all the time too, that ops is a skill, it's its own discipline but unfortunately because what most people are aware of with ops is a lot of manual stuff right is a lot of like manual to, you know it's just sort of ser- being a server janitor so and most Ooh, ops I, folks love have, I love that I love
0: that server janitor just make is. this work and take out the trash dave
1: no and and yeah. i'll tell you when i was doing transformation consulting back in this was back in 2013-2014. One of the things I would ask, I would go into an organization and I would talk to, you know, software engineers and QA and product, you know, PML, you know, product managers and ops and I'd, and I'd interview all of them to sort of see where things were at. And one of my interview questions was, I have a magic IT wand. You get one wish. And across every company I talked to, developers always would have different wishes. You know, company A devs would want this, company B would want something else. Testers want different things whatever. Every ops person I talked to, without exception, had the same wish, and you know what that wish was? What more people in ops? Oh, and no. it was because they didn't have time to do the value work because they were doing the manual work, which was a really great yeah. way to sell, you know, things like chef and automation. But the thing is, there's such a skill around operate, 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 operationalization. Yes, uh, um, that comes from having done that. And it's interesting because I wonder how we continue, like actually the, um, I'm a little worried about the, uh, the pipeline of ops because.
2: Yes. If you haven't
1: done the crap work, you aren't exposed to that. Like we all had, did our time in the trenches and that's what makes us understand these optimizations and how to, operationalize things better. And if we're kind of going down this path where there isn't, how are we developing ops? I I, I will tell you this. When I was working at, I ran techopsforapartments.com. This was back in 2010. I put in place, uh, I I hired, we had an internship program for our ops. And it was really crazy to try to do because nobody says I want to do ops when they grow up. Most of us that have an ops background, you find the most you know, there's all sorts of amazing career changers in software engineering. You know, Emily's a great example in all this. But I tell you, you talk to anybody that does ops for a living, they all have crazy origin stories. They are geology majors. They were <laughs> theater. They did theater. They were yeah. in a rock band. They were in the military. And this was always just something else they knew how to do. And they found out that their dream of being a physicist didn't work out. So they had to go get a job and they could do ops. <laughs> Well, nobody goes to school to do ops. So how yeah. do we? Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And and well, I think we when we think about operations now, we think about it starting from a happy path where I think the real value of people with any kind of sysadmin background is they know the gotchas, they understand where things go awry, and they can prevent it in a way that you know people without that sort of knowledge just can't. Um, I think we should pause it here for part one, wrap up, and then tell people we're excited for part two.
0: Yeah, and then we can kind of go into infrastructure code and how that made being a a server janitor. (laughs) So um, where where can people reach you online? And I'll make sure I add all of this.
1: Uh, the show so out. the the best place to find me is Twitter. So I'm at Matt Stratton on Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn if you look for Matt Stratton. We'll put the link in whatever place. Um, that's a place I exist online. I don't have a lot of conversations there. Your best bet is Twitter. You can also. That's uh, me lately.
0: I exist on Twitter. I just let yeah. Emily. Yeah. I'll, I'll just like watch <laughs>
1: Emily's feed, and I'll be quiet, um, and
0: I'll retweet some cool stuff.
2: Thank you, and I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Excellent. Uh, and well, also, I, I, yeah, if you want to find out where I might be having upcoming speaking or where I've given talks before, if you go to speaking.mattstratton.com is my portfolio Ooh, and maddie.wtf is my polywork, which I almost never update.
2: <laughs> you can go there. It's outdated, but have fun.
1: <laughs> I'm working on it. Maybe if I know people are going, I will keep it updated. I like that. Also, I, like I just that. like the URL. So
2: That's true. That's how I feel about product hunt. I'm like, oh, someone yeah. followed me. I should go see if that's okay. <laughs> <hate."
1: laughs>